0: Hey, hey, tree huggers.
1: Welcome back. It's been a while, Tara. It sure has. Where you been? Summer. Summer. We're mm-hmm. going to sum it up by saying that. Sorry we've had a little hiatus. But we'd like to come back to you today with a very important topic.
0: Drum roll. Screens. Screens. No How do you feel
1: about this topic, Stace? You know, it makes me feel a little frustrated. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. Mm-hmm. I was hesitant. I might have been a little angry when I was writing down my thoughts. She was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Because it might be a constant struggle. It's a difficult topic. It's a difficult topic. Let's define when we say screens what we mean. Because mm-hmm. screens does not mean just a television anymore. Oh, no. That mm-hmm. would be, you just dated yourself, sister. <laughs> Color television. That's not what we're talking about. We're not about. talking
1: about black and white. No rabbit ears over here. We're talking the real deal.
0: We're talking phones and iPads. I don't, do we need to define it? Maybe. <laughs> it includes it all. Screen time includes computers handhelds, phones, iPads, television. They're all screens.
1: (laughs) Now that that is clear, (laughs) we're going to move on. So we want to talk to you today about, we're going to try to to categorize it, if you will, and not go all over the place. We want to talk about the concerns from an OT perspective, from a speech and language perspective, from a social perspective, and then also from how you, the parent, or educator, how you communicate about screens. So we just want to talk about the importance of those factors and uh, why it's such a hot topic.
0: Mm-hmm. I've got lots of friends that will say, oh, isn't it so cute? Look at that little baby. And they can, can't can even speak. And they can get into my iPhone. Mm-hmm. I don't find that cute.
1: No, the ability to navigate a screen that early alarms me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: The American Academy of Pediatrics actually recommends that if you are under two to avoid digital media
1: mm-hmm and I think that's great
0: mm, I would agree. I, I would
1: extend that a bit mm-hmm. however they're mm-hmm. being lenient and then from two to five they say no more than one hour they call it high quality programming now they don't define that mm. but I'm gonna go with YouTube not being probably not probably high quality programming for a child mm-hmm Mm -hmm. The other thing that's concerning is uh, the World Health Organization is introducing the idea of gaming as an addiction as a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Now, it hasn't necessarily been added, I think, to the DSM, but they are defining it. uh, Well, they have you can you can Google it. They have a lot of different uh, things that stick out. You have to have five of these 10 things that that follow an addiction um, profile, if Mm -hmm. you will.
0: And so we want to talk a little bit, or I want to talk about a little bit from an OT perspective and give some underlying information as to why we dislike this so much. Um, I would say that we see here in the clinic and out in society, kiddos who are having much more anxiety, a great difficulty with transitions, um, challenges with being intrinsically motivated, and screens are one component of that.
1: Definitely. So I think today that's what we want to bring to you is information as to why it's so important that we follow these guidelines. The other thing I want to mention, too, along those lines is the importance of all of us understanding them together as really a community Mm -hmm. because I think there's a feeling of if I don't let my kid do this, then they're going to be left out, left behind, not be able to keep up, catch up, Uh, and then I can't set boundaries because my friends Mm -hmm. don't set boundaries on their children, that kind of thing. So the importance of all of us knowing this information so that together we can
0: do better in the future. Mm -hmm. So looking at screens from an OT perspective, let's talk about the fine motor skill development and what it takes to maneuver a screen. Okay, you could say, sure, there's some bilateral coordination. One hand holds it and one hand um, isolates a finger and and maneuvers the screen. All right, however, when you spend a significant amount of time controlling a screen or holding some sort of a um, controller, it actually does not help develop fine motor skills. So playing too long on screens and with controllers actually decreases fine motor skill development. We need to be using our hands and our shoulders um, and our core to, to develop these skills. Then if we look at things from a visual perspective, things on screens tend to move very fast. They tend to flick very quickly between one image and another. Um, I find this to be no- most noticeable, say, if I happen to have a headache and the television is on. Mm-hmm. I get nauseous. Things, things move too quickly. Um, I also was watching my nephew play, and it was... Almost made me ill how quickly the screen was flashing.
1: I was going to say, definitely the way our kids are used to that movement. Mm -hmm. You can tell even when you watch, um, you know, movies Mm -hmm. and the way that movies run quickly now and the way that it goes scene to scene so fast that my children find it entertaining.
0: And I find it nauseating, mm-hmm. like you said. And when screens and when those visual images are moving so quickly, it actually does put your body in a state of fight or flight. It actually does provide so much input that the brain goes, that's not safe. And eventually you may reach this freezing point, which you see. Have you ever, um, again, I'm aging myself because I don't play games <laughs> on screens, but I, I can... It, Understand from watching a movie or television, and you think, "Oh, I have to get up. I have to do something." And you're like, "Oh, I just can't get up." You're actually frozen, physiologically frozen. Mm, That's a good one. That's Mm -hmm. a good point. I haven't thought of. Mm -hmm. In addition, if we look at screens, we are living in this two-dimensional world. Even though the screens try to look three-dimensional, and and some of the graphics are quite amazing, impressive. Mm -hmm. It's a two-dimensional world. I have had kiddos in therapy who can do puzzles and uh, various perceptual tasks on a screen that you go, wow, they're doing quite well. And then you try to do that in, in this three-dimensional world where you need to flip and rotate and, and turn and grasp. And it's very, very challenging. In addition, if we're on the topic of vision, looking at screens, you are holding something close to you, your neck, your posture, your vision, it's all very up close. And think of what that does to your sort of entire world. You're converging, you're focusing on something very up close. It shuts out the world. And it also really decreases your ability to sort of look up and out into into the world that's further away to take into other factors that are going on in the environment. Mm-hmm. All good points. Thank you. As well... Oh, I I, (laughs) I knew she wasn't done. I'm not She paused. Screens. Blue light. Mm. The blue light on screens is very disruptive to our nervous system. I would recommend avoiding screens for at least an hour, if not two, before bedtime. I do not want to see anyone in bed with a screen... Uh, what that light does is it actually disrupts your body's ability to to produce its own melatonin to help you fall asleep. Again, the blue light does cause you to go into more of this fight or flight. There are blue light blocking glasses, so if you're going to do something, that would be good. I still don't recommend it.
1: We, I think, in another podcast had those blue light blocking Mm -hmm. glasses, a a link. We can put Mm -hmm. that in the show notes. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, you What's talk that? about something. I've oh. got a
1: little more, but let's. You've got a little more. Go ahead. I mean, we're on the OT stand, oh. the bandwagon. All right. Do it.
0: Okay. Then let's just talk from a, a self-regulation standpoint. So when I say self-regulation, I'm meaning the ability to um, engage in the world, stay calm, learn. Um, however, when we're playing a lot of the games that are out there. A, your body is receiving this blue light in images that are flashing very quickly that does put your body into the state of fight or flight, um, it makes it very difficult to maintain this self-regulation. Uh, it causes greater, um, oftentimes greater reactions, high levels of frustration uh, that make it really challenging to maintain that just right range of regulation. Okay.
1: So on to speech and language? Sure. You want to pep you can just pepper in some comments. I'm I will. Sure. I'm sure you'll have a couple. All right. So thinking about language development, I want to just really highlight a few core ideas, which is the number one way that we learn language is through experiences. You have to experience it. As Terry said when she was talking about movement and motor planning and getting our bodies going, that is also how we learn language. We start to um move and learn concepts of ender. Ender? No, that's not a concept. I don't know what that is. I would say in and under or ender. <laughs> Over and through, you know, when we're moving our body, when we're running and climbing and jumping, we start to learn those verbs. Of course, we're, we're pointing and we're looking and we're naming objects in our environment uh, so all of these things have to be experienced to learn language and if we're not engaging in our world and we're not engaging from that movement perspective, then our language learning can be limited.
0: Mm-hmm. In that uh, 3D world that we do live in. It, correct.
1: Uh, The other thing is that it has, you know, when, when we're learning language and then once we've had these ideas and we've had these experiences and we go to the future to make a choice or tell our mom what we want to eat or make any kind of decision, we go back to that visual map in our head. We go back to that dynamic, moving image, something that has played out before, and we speak from that image. So that's called the gestalt, or the big picture, and we speak from that gestalt. We describe things from that image. We decide if we want an apple or a banana, and then do we want a green apple or a red apple? And it depends on the experience we had before when we went to the orchard last week. Now That's a wide example, but that's what I'm talking about in that language and word finding and creativity and those images are created from experiences. We limit ourselves when we're on a screen, and we're certainly limiting ourselves when we're on the screen too early. Um, It's very disturbing to me when I'm in public and I'll see uh, a parent hand a child a device to try to quote unquote teach them to wait or to (laughs) give them, you know, patience, or just to give the mom or dad a little bit of time. I understand that we all need quiet time, or we all need to run an errand. We do need to do those things. But at the same time, what an ideal time to, again, experience something, which is patience, which is self-regulation, which is um, the ability to be quiet and understand that something else is more important than me in this moment, and I need to have mom or dad needs to, to have me be quiet so I can get something done. When you don't have to have those lessons taught to you, when you constantly have something to fill your space and fill your mind, then you never get to learn about attention. You never Mm -hmm. get to broaden that attention span. So thinking about those things, we then bounce around to, you know, we can talk for hours on creativity and lack of imagination and how those images from the screen fill your mind instead of you coming up with your own images Mm -hmm. to play and work from and create ideas and problem solve. So All of that gets in our way. And then think about what it does to us socially.
0: Mm -hmm. Isn't it a bummer? Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, what what do you feel like as an adult? I know how I feel if I'm talking to someone, and then they take a text. And they look Mm -hmm. down and start texting, or maybe they're (laughs) Mm giggling to this other conversation they're having, even though I'm standing right there. Mm -hmm. So think about how rude that seems to you, and how our kids are so engaged with their screens, how they're going to miss out on gestural communication, nonverbals, all of those social cues let alone the things that they'll say online, either being keyboard keyboard brave brave and typing something or... Even just talking, if they're talking, over their Xbox on their headphones or you know they're doing Snapchat or whatever they're doing, they get very brave when it's just a moment in time and there's no one else's experience to take into account. There's no one else's emotions to have to consider, no one else's perspective. We can just say whatever with no necessarily fallout. I mean, one of the key ideas that we do here when we work on social thinking is as I talk and you're having emotions and thoughts about what I'm saying, and then you're taking action on that. And then we can change what we're saying to mm-hmm. repair a conversation or to apologize or to solve a problem cooperatively.
0: And one of the greatest ways that you figure that out is using your visual system. And I, um, for our kiddos who are somewhere on the spectrum or who have some social challenges, it is very difficult um, to, to figure out how much to say, when to say, what is sarcasm, what is not. That's difficult for any of us to figure out when things are done, Mm -hmm. again, on some sort of screen or device, because you completely lack that uh, furrowed brow or that eye roll that gives you some sort of that information.
1: And I think the irony here, if I may go so Hmm. far as to say, is that we use these devices to chill out. We use these devices to Mm -hmm. calm down. We say, go be on your phone for a little bit, or you can have some downtime, or you can have, you know, whatever you want to do. You can go watch a little bit of YouTube, or whatever we give permission as parents, or let's not be naive, what we do ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're either scrolling through some sort of social media, or we're reading an article online, but we are also giving that role model to our kids that that's what you do to relax.
0: And the, the content causes, can cause anxiety, can cause comparisons. Um, let's think about even just some of the play, right? So I'll age myself again. Back in the old days when we <laughs> used to play.
1: It's never good when you start a sentence back in the old days. It's never good.
0: Even, even if it was a, a play of cops and robbers or something. Oh, no. <laughs> if someone would fall down and get hurt, the play would stop. You would go up to your peer, you would make sure they're okay, and then the play could carry on. However, now what is it teaching when the goal of these games is death? What a-
1: so a disembodied gun isn't mm. helpful? No. No. Oh,
0: I don't okay. believe it to be helpful. Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, but we digress. But it's all part of the process. It's all mm-hmm. part of understanding that all of these things go in. So what are we going to do about it?
0: I would suggest by starting setting some limits and even going back further, not even giving it, especially to our little kids. Don't give them the screens. Right. We'll often
1: have parents ask us, when do you think it's appropriate to start? Or is it OK if they have an hour's worth of screen time? I mean, my my suggestion is always just the later, the better. They're mm-hmm. not necessarily missing out on anything. They don't need to be on social media. We know as adults that Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever, it makes you feel left out. hmm uh, we don't need to introduce that early. We know what's happening now. There's, there's. Um, when I go to orientations for my son for middle school and high school, there's a lot of information about uh, being a responsible digital citizen. I mean, these type of things are conversations we have to have constantly. So we need to be modeling and setting those limits early, early, early. Now, if you've already not, let's say you already feel like you have kind of a an issue in your home and maybe you haven't set boundaries when they were younger, is it too late to start? And my answer would be... Never. Never. It may be more difficult. But we definitely need to have these discussions together with our kids as to what do we think is reasonable and why. Because if, and now you have more information, I think, mm-hmm. to back up maybe what you've been thinking or maybe some of the concerns you do have, that if somebody, a friend, wants to call you out or someone wants to say, oh, it's not that big of a deal, I would hope that you would you know, think about what you've heard and be like, well, it is a big deal and here's why that I want to set these limits. So even if it gave you a little bit of a tool there, mm-hmm. that was our goal today. And also something I want to point out is just not using that phone or those screens as a reward system.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, It's not a discipline tool. It's, again, you're teaching the child that the goal is to get on that screen. Mm -hmm. And in essence, our goal is generally probably something else, especially if it's in the academic world. Your goal is actually participation in the task or in the group or in the play. And what you're doing is saying, okay, you do this and then you can go have your iPad time. So you devalue the actual task. You devalue the personal social connection and instead give a reward to those screens. So it's not a discipline tool. It's not something to dangle as a carrot or to take away and give more time. When people say they're earning iPad time, again, Mm -mm. that is not uh, a present. Developmentally appropriate, either. And not developmentally appropriate. Or socially, emotionally appropriate. So we need to teach balance. We need to make decisions together with kids respectfully about appropriate use of their devices and time. And once you make those decisions together as a family or together as a classroom, you need to follow through. And you're going to need to help them follow through because they're not necessarily going to enjoy it, but you came up with it together, and your goal is to then be the facilitator of change. This is what we're going to do together. And that
0: may include helping them figure out what else you can do. They may not have any other or very limited options of what it is that you can do, because they have had very little experience being bored. Exactly. And as Stacey was mentioning earlier, developing then that creativity in, in your own internal images, let alone have the postural strength and stability and core and vestibular systems to handle outdoor play.
1: Absolutely. There are so many books, if you Google, about the eye generation and letting them be bored and how creativity comes from mm-hmm. boredom. Mm-hmm. So... It is true that you're probably going to have to, for a while, give alternatives mm-hmm. to what you could be doing because, honestly, they don't know. Mm-hmm. If the Internet's not on, what do I do with my time? Mm-hmm. So parents will then get frustrated like, well, I don't want to tell them what to do back in my day, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, back in your day, you didn't have these distractions, so early on, you were more creative. You did have to create something out of nothing. I spent plenty of time being mm-hmm. bored. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So teach balance, make those decisions together, decide what you're going to do, and then you absolutely must follow through. And um, hope you found some useful information here today to, to drive your parenting skills that much higher when it comes to these screens. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.